Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer as we start our evening. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for our time to come together and study your word together. And Lord, uh, as we study about, about heaven tonight, about the present heaven, what it's like right now, Lord, just pray that our hearts would grow uh, even more fond of being with you in glory. So Lord, just turn our hearts to heaven and let us long to be with you. Just bless our night, open our ears to hear, give our minds the ability to, to ponder your word, and Lord, just be with us. This I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles with you, you can turn to Revelation chapter 6. We'll kind of be in that area most of the time tonight. Uh, we'll we'll kind of go back to chapter 4 a little bit, but <clears throat> I think the, the most of our lesson, the most of our our time tonight will be in Revelation chapter 6, looking at verses 9 through 11. Now, when Mary Beth, Gabby, and I went to New York a couple of years ago, of course, Mary Beth and Gabby wanted to go to the Broadway show. They want to go to the Broadway. Let's go see a show. I'll just admit I wasn't really enthused about it, right? I just wasn't that enthused. Why do we want to go to a Broadway show? Let's go to a movie or something like that, but why go to a Broadway show? Uh, but we did, right? I, I joined along. Y'all want to go see it? Let's go see it. And we went to Lion King. That was the one we chose to, they chose to go to. And I'll just be honest, man, I was blown away. It was awesome. It was a good show. Uh, just all the theatrics of it, the, uh, all the you know, different scenes and everything. It, it was a good time. We had a great time together. But, you know, going into it, I wasn't that enthused, right? I wasn't enthused. I don't want to go to the show. I don't want to see all this. This is not my thing. But once I got there and I saw it, I had a little bit different perspective, right? I changed my attitude. I actually had a good time. It was a good show. I might go back again if they could ever get me back to New York again. I'm not sure they can ever get me back to New York, but I might go to another show if I had to. But that's that's kind of the thing. We We dread the things that we don't understand that we don't have a clear vision of uh, and that's even true with heaven even among Christians a lot of Christians kind of maybe not dread maybe that's not the word but uh, they have a, a, a they dread death right <sighs> because we don't really understand we don't really have a full picture of heaven and so we're kind of reluctant to say yes let me go All right Paul says to live is Christ and to die is gain. To die is gain. I'm not sure all of us would say that, right? To live is Christ, yes, uh, to die, mm, gain? Uh, you know, we're a little reluctant to go there and maybe that is because we don't have a full vision of what heaven is like uh, now and in the future. And so tonight I want us to I want us to not dread heaven. Right. I don't want us to dread death. I want us to to be able to say with Paul to live as Christ. But hey, to die is gain. To die is to go to glory and be with Christ. And I want that more than anything. I hope tonight that we get a, a greater vision of heaven and, and it really long to be there. So our theme tonight, our 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 sermon, in a sense, Bible study, in a sense, present heaven is a place to long for. Present heaven is a place to long for. And I know that's not proper English for my English teachers, but it just sounded better than present heaven is a place for which to long. So it just sounds more punchy this way. So we're going to go with that, even if it is bad English. Present heaven is a place to long for. So tonight our question is, what is present heaven like? What is present heaven like? Last time we, we considered the questions, what is heaven, right? What is heaven? And we said heaven is a place. It's a physical place. It's not just a spiritual kind of dreamy-like, you know, thing. It's actually a physical place created by God when he created the heavens and the earth. So it's a physical place. And second, we asked, where is heaven? And we said heaven is up. Right. It's up. It's up there somewhere. Uh, we don't know where exactly. We can't see it. There's no uh, telescope that's found heaven, uh, but it, it is up. Christ ascended to heaven. He went up to heaven. So heaven is up. And again, if you've missed those details, uh, go back and, and 
and, and go back to that podcast and, and hear all about that. We also talked about it perhaps being in another dimension. So uh, just go back and, and review that. Tonight, we're going to answer these two questions. Who is in present heaven? Who is in present heaven? And then uh, we're really going to spend the majority of our time on this. What is life like in present heaven? What is life like in the present heaven? So the heaven that is now. There's a future heaven, an eternal heaven. We'll get there. Our next time we'll start getting into the eternal heaven. But now, right now, what is the present heaven like? The heaven that is right now. So what is life like? That's what we're going to get into tonight. So first of all, who is in present heaven? Who is in present heaven? And I probably should have tagged this on with last time because we talked about it a little bit. But uh, we're going to look at it anyway tonight and make sure we cover all of our bases. Who is in present heaven? First of all, God's manifest presence. God's manifest presence. And uh, back up, you're there in Revelation chapter 6. Back up a couple of chapters to Revelation chapter 4. And let's look at verses 2 and 3. Revelation chapter 4, verses 2 and 3. John speaking here, At once I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne stood in heaven, with one seated on the throne. And he who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and uh, Carnelian. And around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. And so here he is giving a description of the manifest presence of God. Now, God is spirit. God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, uh, they're spirit. And so you can't see spirit, right? You can't see spirit. Uh, Jesus Christ is the image of the invisible God. God himself is invisible, but there is his manifest presence somehow, some way. Now, it looks like uh, John gives this description that's just spectacular. Uh, it's kind of a glowing uh, figure there, but, but that's his manifest presence. When we go back to the Old Testament and God's manifest presence in the temple, he, his manifest presence was there. His glory dwelled between the seraphim in the temple and in, in the uh, tabernacle. And so that was his manifest presence. God is everywhere. Uh, there's nowhere that God isn't. Uh, but his manifest presence, he, he is uh, allowing his presence to appear in heaven. So that's what we're talking about there. God's manifest presence is in heaven. Second, the resurrected Jesus Christ is in heaven. The resurrected Jesus Christ is in heaven. We talked about this last time, but again, flip over to chapter 5, verse 6. Chapter 5, verse 6. John says there, And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twelve and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, which uh, each holding a harp and the golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And then they sang a song, right? And so he's getting this vision of Jesus Christ. And this is the resurrected Jesus Christ. When Christ died and was resurrected, he stayed around and talked to his apostles for a while, his disciples. He taught them a little while and then he ascended into glory. Uh, his spirit didn't just ascend up there. His whole body ascended into glory. He is the first uh, the first of the resurrection, the firstborn of the resurrection, re resurrection. So Christ himself is dwelling in heaven in his physical body. And so he is there and Christ will always be uh, God who became flesh from now on into it till eternity. Uh, Christ, the second son, the second person of the Trinity will be the eternal God man, right? He will always be in human form. And so he is there and he is living in heaven. Third, heavenly angels, heavenly angels. 
look again at verse 11, uh, chapter 5, verse 11, Revelation 5, 11. Then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creature and the elders, the voice of many angels numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands. In other words, you can't count them. Uh, there were so many angels, I couldn't make a count of them. They were just everywhere. They were there. They filled heaven, right? And so there's just myriads of, he of angels in heaven. Uh, fourth are the departed saints, or the departed saints. So what I mean by departed saints, those who once lived, uh, they died, and now they are in glory. So our brothers and sisters in Christ, I do have to... I know it's calling them saints, uh, and especially living here in Louisiana, uh, where Catholic Catholicism has such a, a great influence. But I need to be careful to explain what I mean by saints here. Uh, let's just look, first of all, at Revelation chapter 7, verse 9 and 10. Revelation 7, 9 and 10. Uh, again, Paul seeing this vision of heaven, the throne room, room of God. After this, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud, vo loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb." And so these are a multitude of people, so great that he couldn't count them again, uh, that there are there. And these are the saints of God who are in heaven. And so Paul says to depart from this body, to depart from this world is to be with the Lord. And so the departed saints who have died, they have gone to heaven and they live in heaven. And so saints are all of those from the Old Testament to the New Testament who trusted in Jesus Christ and went to be in glory. Now, I know uh, Roman Catholicism, uh, you have to be declared a saint, right? And you have to make certain criteria to be a saint. So there's St. Paul, St. Peter, St. Thomas, St. Uh, um, Margaret, St. Teresa, all of these who have been declared sanctified by uh, the church. And you go to pray to the saints. Well, no, that's that's not biblical. We don't see that in the Bible anywhere. All of those who have died in Christ are saints. Uh, you who are living in, in Christ, you are you are a saint. You are a saint in Christ. Uh, Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 2, and, and there are many examples of this, but I thought this would be a good good example here. Paul, he is, this is his introductory, his introduction to the church at Corinth. He says, to the church of God that is in Corinth. So that's who he is addressing, to the church of God in Corinth. To those sanctified, right? Those who have been made holy in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of, the, of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. So what's the requirement to be a saint? Be a Christian. To be a Christian. To call upon the name of the Lord for salvation. Uh, that's what it means to be a saint. So all the departed saints, those who are no longer living here, they've gone on to be with the Lord and now they live in heaven. We'll talk how they live in heaven in a moment, but that's all the departed saints. And then finally, uh, who else is in heaven? Actually, Satan and evil spirits. Satan and evil spirits. Now, they don't live there, but they at least do visit there. Scripture tells us this, that Satan and the evil spirits do visit heaven from time to time. Uh, perfect verse of course, is what? Job, right? Job chapter 1, verse 6. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. And so Satan, he visits heaven. He goes into the throne room of God. He makes accusations, accusations against the saints. 
Uh, and I would believe if Satan goes there, there's other evil spirits who probably uh, go through heaven from time to time as well. Again, they don't. That's not their home. Right. They've been kicked out of heaven, but they at least visit there. And that's why one day that uh, scripture says that the heavens will be burned up. Uh, fire in scripture is not just to destroy things, it's to purify things. Heaven's not going to be burned up in the sense that it's just going to go away, it's going to be destroyed, but heaven will be burned up in the sense that it will be purified from all evil. The, why it needs to be purified is that Satan and evil spirits do go there. They, they, they stain it uh, with their presence. So um, Satan and evil spirits do go through heaven, right? They, they're there from time to time. Uh, any questions about who is in present heaven? These are Old Testament saints also? I think, yes. I think Old Testament saints also. Uh, if you take the parable of Jesus, of uh, uh, the rich man and Lazarus, of course, there's questioning whether they were in heaven or some other place. Uh, you know, I think Jesus had them in heaven. But, uh, of course, Abraham, heaven was described as being in Abraham's bosom. Uh, so I think the Old Testament saints are there. There are different opinions about that, which most people, most uh, Protestants who would say that maybe Old Testament saints weren't in present heaven, they would say that they are now after the resurrection of Jesus. Most of them, I think, so. I, I think the Old Testament saints have always been in heaven. But that's my view. That includes Job's children. I would think so if they were if they were Christians in the sense that they trusted in God's plan of redemption. I was just kind of hoping, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, they had a good example there in Job, so. It, scripture doesn't tell us much about his children, so they could have been heathens. <laughs> we don't know that, but if they were if they were followers of God and trusted in God's plan of salvation uh, in whatever form they had it, uh, then they're there. Didn't he receive the same number of children he had instead of double everything like everything else? He got back to double, wasn't it? And that was just the same number yeah. because he would be rejoined with that first set of children. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know the answer to that question, but uh, that we'll we'll figure it out one day. <laughs> Amen. All right. So that's who is in present heaven. Now let's get to the really the the main portion of our, our lesson tonight. And for that, I do want to back up and read our verse, Revelation 6, 9 through 11. Revelation 6, 9 through 11. So that will be on our mind. Hear the word of the Lord. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the witness they had borne. They cried out with a loud voice, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Then they were each given a white robe and told to rest a while, uh, rest a little while longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brothers should be complete, who were to be killed as they themselves had been. All right, so as we think about what life is like in the present heaven, first of all, I want us to consider our, our, our state of being, our state of being. What will our state of being be like in heaven? What will, what will we be like, right? Um, first of all, I want to address a misconception that we have. I don't think we have, have had that here, but I have heard it, right? Y'all have heard it. Uh, the misconception that when we die, we become angels. 
we don't become angels, right? We do not become angels. We'll never be angels. <laughs> angels are a type of being. They're their own being. Uh, we are of another kind. Just like we're not, you know, dogs are a kind of being and we'll never be a dog. A dog will never be a human being. And because that's two different time, types of beings. Angels are a different type of being. And God created them separate from mankind. And so we'll never be angels. Uh, you know, Scripture, Jesus does say you will be like angels in the sense that we won't be given in marriage. Uh, but that's... We'll be like them in that way, but we won't be angels. We'll always be human beings. That's the way God created us from the beginning. And that's how we will be for all of eternity. So we will not be like angels. So what will we be like in present heaven? Not eternal heaven, but what will we be like in present heaven? Well, there will be a spiritual presence. There will be a spiritual presence. Again, let's go back to our text there. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God. So the souls, uh, the spirits of those who had been slain. That was their presence there in heaven. It wasn't a bodily thing. Uh, it, was a, it was their souls, their spiritual presence. Uh, also, we have 2 Corinthians, of course, we know this verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8. Yes, we are of good courage and we would rather be away from the body, right? To be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Now, we are made up of two parts. We've got the body, this flesh, fleshly body, and then we have a spirit. And that's the way God created us. He created us to have a body and a spirit. When we die, the body stays here. It gets buried into the ground and it, it stays there until the resurrection. But it stays here. Our spirit goes to be with the Lord. That's why Paul says to be apart from the body. Our spirit to be away from the body is to be in the presence of the Lord. So there is a spiritual presence that is there. Our bodies, our spirits leave the body when we die, but they don't just go into dreamland. Uh, they don't just kind of go into soul sleep. That's, that's one idea that when we die, our soul kind of just goes to sleep uh, and we don't wake up again until the resurrection. But that's not what scripture says to be apart from the body. The spirit leaves the body and it goes to be into the presence of the Lord. And so the soul, the spirit goes to heaven. So there is a spiritual presence. Now, I've never thought about this until I was reading Randy Alcorn's book. And Randy Alcorn, he argues for possibly a physical presence. Possibly some kind of physical presence. Now, not a bodily presence, not like this flesh, right? Uh, but he argues for some kind of a bodily presence. I never really thought about that. But uh, when you do see in Scripture... Or when you read in Scripture, like these these verses we've been we've been reading here, uh, these these spirits, these the spirits of these people, they're seen, right? John can look out and he sees the multitude of the saints. He sees the souls of those martyred. Uh, he sees them with his eyes. Well, when you think about that, the spirit is invisible. Colossians 1.15, like what I read while ago, uh, Christ is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Uh, he is the image of the invisible God. God's spirit and God is invisible. You can't see God's presence uh, unless he makes it manifest in some kind of physical type of form, whether that be fire or, or, or what have you. So, you know, the question is, how do you see these saints in heaven if there's not some kind of physical form. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I'm still having, I'm still wrestling with uh, Randy Alcorn and his book on heaven. Uh, uh, with that, uh, I've just thought about spiritual presence. Our spirit is there and it's just there. But then there is that question, how is the spirit viewed? How can you see the spirit 
if there's not some kind of physical presence. Now, it's, again, it's not a presence like this presence, not, not a body like this body. Uh, there's still this longing, as we're going to see here in a minute, for to be reunited with our body. But, uh, you know, how can we see one another? How can we interact with one another if there's not some kind of physical manifestation of us? Uh, we're in heaven. God could certainly do that. God in the Old Testament uh, before, you know, the pre-incarnate Christ, uh, he took on physical form and, and talked to Abraham and, and uh, different people in the Old <laughs> Testament. We see angels uh, taking on physical form from time to time and interacting with human beings. So could it be that God gives some kind of a physical form to us in heaven so that we can see one another and interact? Uh, I don't know. It's a possibility, right? It's a possibility. So, exactly. What, what did they put the robe on? Uh, exactly. And that's one of the arguments he makes. You know, there's the, he dresses them in a white robe, so there has to be something there for him to dress if he's dressing it. Uh, so I, that's one of those things that uh, Scripture's not that clear on. Right. It, it kind of gives these illusions. And, and that's one of those places where we have to use our imagination a bit. Uh, and we just can't come down hard and fast on on any in any direction there. Uh, I don't think uh, we know that the spirit is there. Uh, we know that from what scripture teaches, that there is some kind of a, a visual manifestation, whether that's physical or not. Or God just gives us spiritual eyes to see the spiritual things. I, I don't know. Uh, but that's a possibility that Alcorn, if you've ever read his book or are reading his book, that's one of the possibilities that he presents. And, and again, he says, don't know for sure. This is just a thought. Let's play with it. And so uh, that's what I'm just doing tonight. Uh, it's possibly some kind of a physical presence, though not like this body, but some kind of presence that you can see and interact and touch and feel and that sort of thing. Whether it's physical or not, you know how sometimes you meet a guy or a gal and you say, "I really and just just without even talking about anything spiritual yet," and you just sense this this guy or really that guy's a Christian. Yeah. And then you find out he is, and you really have fellowship, and the spirit testifies, you know, with each other. Kind mm -hmm. of. Maybe something like that. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Mm -hmm. I mean, we had a, you know, we've had. I mean, we've all had that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And like I say, we... Uh, you'll be known as you are known. Mm -hmm. Is that the future heaven or the present? I think it's in the present heaven. Because uh, Jesus, obviously, when he's talking to um, uh, Elijah and Moses upon the Mount of Transfiguration, of course, Elijah was taken up in his body. So we can say he has his body because he was taken up. He's, he's got it there. Uh, but Moses, Scripture says, he died. And so his body was buried by God. So he doesn't. But yet again, Jesus saw him. The disciples saw him in some kind of physical form. And even the disciples who never met Elijah and, and Moses said, hey, that's Elijah and Moses. Right. So they were known for who they were. They are uh, even by the disciples. So, but if absolutely. you can sense somebody's spirituality in this. Mm hmm. Much more, you would think that. Oh, absolutely. So, I mean, the spiritual presence you've already hit on, A. Absolutely. The spiritual presence may be recognizable to each other. Absolutely. Without, without the... Yeah, and like I say, even though the spirit is invisible, at least to human eyes, maybe we have spiritual eyes that we can, we can see one another's spirit. I don't know, but there you go. Uh, we know for, for sure there's the spiritual presence. So that's that's a hard fact. We know that scripture is clear on that. There's a spiritual presence. Uh, what we kind of guesstimate as eh, maybe there might be some kind of a physical manifestation that God allows us to have. Maybe not. Maybe it's something else that's beyond our uh, mind, our, our comprehension. And so uh, we kind of guesstimate at it. But uh, and fun to th talk about. But we just don't know that for sure. But I thought I would add it in as a. Uh, 
point of interest anyway. So <laughs> something to think about, something to ponder. We will be able to see one another and interact with one another. John, obviously here, he is in the spirit. So he's, he's been taken up in the spirit, uh, not a body. This is not a body visitation to heaven, but he's been He's in the spirit and he's been taken up in the spirit and he's seeing other spirits and he's interacting with other spiritual beings. So uh, there, there will be somehow, whether it's physical or spiritual, there will be that interaction in heaven. So, all right. So that's our state of being. Uh, second or yeah. Next we see our state of mind, our state of mind. How will we think? How will we Feel. This is kind of getting into maybe our emotional state. Uh, what will we feel in heaven? And, and first of all, first and foremost, there's going to be inexpressible joy. Inexpressible joy. Maybe that's the wrong word because I think up there we're going to be able to express it. Uh, we're going to be able to be given. But in our mind now, it's inexpressible. It's unimaginable. That might have been a better word there. An unimaginable joy. We just can't even comprehend the joy that we will experience in heaven. Uh, Peter says, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 8 through 9, and he's talking about here and now. In this life, though you have not seen him, that is Jesus, though you have not seen Christ, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. So right now, because of the hope of seeing Jesus, we at least should have joy unspeakable and full of glory. Right. That's how we should be now. How much more when that when our hope is realized in Christ? Uh, we can't imagine the joy that we're going to experience in heaven. Uh, we, we have joy now. Uh, it kind of run with some, you know, some heartaches and heartbreaks and and some uh, ailments and, and all of those kinds of things. But up there, we're free to just experience joy, pure, unadulterated joy. And that's what we're going to experience there. We're going to be overcome, overwhelmed with joy. And that's why you see in all of these visions of John, they're worshiping, they're celebrating, they're, they're throwing a party because it's all joy. They, they have joy because they are with Christ. They see him and they're in his presence. So there will be inexpressible, unimaginable joy in heaven. That's why Paul says for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. If I'm in the, the if I'm to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I'm hard pressed between the two. I desire to part to be with Christ. For that is far better. To be in the presence of Christ, that's far better than anything else that, that we could have planned. Right? Whatever life has for us in the future, uh, great riches, great times, whatever, whatever is in the future in this life has no comparison, no comparison to what we're going to experience and feel when we are in the presence of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Unexpressible joy, unexpressible joy. Uh, with that, however, in the present heaven, in the present heaven, there's still eager anticipation. There's still eager anticipation. Let's look again at our text. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of, of God and for the witness they had borne. And look at this. Verse 10. They cried out. They're in heaven. They're experiencing unimaginable joy, yet th they cried out with a loud voice, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on earth? There is this longing, this hopeful anticipation or eager anticipation uh, that, that something else is going to happen, right? That, that that's not the finished state. Uh, I think in, in heaven there is an awareness of earthly matters. 
There is an awareness of earthly matters. Now, understand what I'm saying here, because we, we kind of think, well, well, are our loved ones like looking down on us? Are they watching us? Are they seeing all the things that we do and all of that? I don't think so. I don't know. Scripture doesn't tell you for sure. I don't think so. Uh, plus, no one but God is omniscient, right? Only God is omniscient. Not even Satan is omniscient. So if you think Satan can read your mind, no, he can't. He just knows human nature. Uh, he can't read your mind. He's not omniscient. He's not omnipresent. Neither will we be in heaven. We're never going to be omniscient. We're never going to be omnipresent like God is. But yet there, I think there is an awareness like, yeah, things are getting bad down there. Things are getting bad down there. It, it would kind of be like, and, and this again, this is my imagination. Scripture doesn't say this for sure. So, uh, but these souls seem to understand there's still stuff going on down there. There's still people dying. How long, oh Lord, do you bring this 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 sinfulness, this world of sin, to an end? And so there's this awareness. I think it'll be more like awareness of, of we know worldly events by watching the evening news, right? Uh, there's awareness. We don't experience, we don't see it ourselves, but there's a, an awareness of what's going on. I think there is that awareness even in heaven that, yeah, things are still bad down there. It's still pretty rough. And we're longing for the day. We continue to long for the day that Christ makes all that right. How long, O oh Lord, how long until you bring justice to the world? So there's anticipation because there's that awareness. But there's also this groaning for the resurrection. There's groaning for the resurrection. Yes, even in heaven, I think there's this groaning for the resurrection. Romans chapter 8, verse 19 through 23, Paul says, For the creation, the creation. Now, what's in creation? Not just the world, all of creation, the heavens and the earth, all of it's in creation for the creation waits for eager longing for the revealing of the son of God, for the, uh, the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willing, what not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to uh, corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation, the whole creation, has been groaning together in pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we uh, wait eagerly for the adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. Oh, that's key. As we wait for the redemption of our bodies. You see, in heaven now, the present heaven now, uh, our souls have been redeemed, right? Our spirit feels that redemption, but there's still that, there's something missing, right? Because God didn't create us to be a spirit. He created us to be body and spirit. And there's something missing as long as our spirit is, is away from the body. There's something missing. We're not whole. In, in Hebrew language, we have that word shalom, right? Shalom. Shalom is a complete peace. Uh, even in present heaven, there's not complete peace because we're not whole. There's not that whole piece because our bodies is still here. It's still dust. And, and in heaven, there's this longing, this groaning, waiting for the day that that our bodies will be restored and we will be reunited with our bodies and we become whole again. And not only whole again, but now perfect like Jesus Christ is perfect. Now, it's not a sorrowful thing uh, because we're experiencing right. We're still experiencing inexpressible joy, unimaginable joy. That's still there. That's not gone away. But yet still there's this uh, that longing, that groaning. Oh, Lord, come, Lord Jesus, come. Let's let's go. Let's get this thing done. Let's 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 go back down there. Have this resurrection so we can get to the banquet. Right. Uh, let's let's get it done. There's this longing. How long? Oh, Lord. 
How long, O Lord, until Christ returns, we are resurrected and all things are made right. How long? And so there is that even though there is this inexpressible joy, unimaginable joy, there is also that that eager anticipation that something greater is still yet to come. As wonderful as this is, something greater is still yet to come. Yes, I thank our loved ones. They are longing to be with us. They are longing to be with us, not just in, in, in the spirit. They're longing to be with us physically and in their bodies again, together. So there is that eager longing. Uh, any questions? Uh, thoughts or questions at that point? Well, do you really think if we aware of in heaven, if we're aware of things on earth, that we will have that inexpressible joy? Because won't we, will that not bother us uh, to know? Well, here's the key. The inexpressible joy comes from being in the presence of Christ. And being in the presence of Christ outweighs every sorrow. When you're in the presence of Christ, even though you have that longing, you, you long for it to be everything be made right. We know that's not everything's not right yet. Uh, we still see our brothers or, or we know our brothers on earth are still suffering because of their relationship with Christ. We're longing that all that will end. So uh, the key there is, is the presence of Christ. It trumps all sorrows. The presence of Christ trumps all heartbreaks. Uh, it, it's in him that we find our complete joy. Even now we say, uh, that it's only in Christ that we can have true joy. Uh, even now, as we, we live as Christians on this earth, even in these, these sinful bodies, uh, when we really focus on Christ, even when we're going through great sorrow, we can find joy in Him. He's our joy, and He should always be our joy. Uh, up there, it's going to be perfect. We're going to be apart from these sinful bodies that long for the physical things and we're going to be in his presence and, and we're going to realize the, the, the true source of our longings. It's him. Right? Everything is about him. And so, no, I don't think it's going to bring us down in the sense that it's going to bring sorrow into our hearts um, like we would think of sorrow now. But there is... The fact that, you know, every tear and every every tear won't be walked, wiped away until the day of Christ's judgment when he when he sits upon the judgment, uh, his uh, throne of judgment before the church. He judges the church. He passes out rewards. There's going to be some sorrow there. Lord, I wasted some. I wasted a lot of time. I'm crying because I'm, I'm sorrowful because of what I didn't do for your glory. But then he's going to wipe away every tear. So, so there is that just because we go to heaven doesn't mean we're completely through with sorrow. Now, I think present heaven, when you're there, uh, I don't think you're going to feel that, you know, continual sorrow. But there will be this longing, longing for there's greater things to come. I'm ready for those greater things to come. But you're still going to, that's going to be overshadowed by the joy of just being with the Lord, being in his presence. That answer your question. I would think that they don't. People in heaven don't necessarily know the day-to-day -day activities of what's yeah, going yeah. on on earth. Um, but mm -hmm. I can see how that eager anticipation would especially be evident if you knew that Satan had not been cast into the pit. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. you long for that separation because that's the the reason for the woes here on earth mm -hmm. and the struggle yeah, uh, absolutely. here on earth is, is because he's still not thrown into the pit. Absolutely, absolutely. Especially Agreed. if, like you said before, he still has access to the Father. Yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. It could be yeah. that they still have an awareness of what they went through in their life on earth. Mm -hmm. So they know that you know, that's still going on. Yeah, yeah. So, you want that to be over. Right, 
Right. So man's struggle yeah. will be over. And, and that's why I say it's, a, it's an awareness. No, I don't think my grandpa knows about my daily dealings. I don't think he knows of all my failings. I, ha I hope not. <laughs> I pray not, right? Uh, he might be sorrowful if he knows about all my failings in life. But, uh, but yeah, I think there's that, that awareness that, yeah, there's, there's sin still down there. Uh, and, and my loved ones are in that, right? And they're having to suffer through that. And, and so there's that awareness. No, it's not the knowledge of individual because, again, they're not omniscient. So they're in heaven. They're not omniscient. They're not omnipresent. They're in heaven. They can only know that that's right around them. And so, no, they can't, you know, beam down here or whatever and, and walk in our midst and, and know all of our exact dealings. Uh, but... There, there's that awareness, like sin's still down there. Uh, we're, we're still waiting on the Lord to come and make all things new. And so there's that, that's why I say awareness. Any other questions? All right, finally we see our state of activity. Uh, this is what we do, right? What are we going to do in heaven? And first and foremost, we're going to worship God. We're going to worship God, man. If you don't like to worship, whew. <laughs> you, you better start enjoying it. That's all I can say, because it's, it's all about worship. Uh, that's a lot of what, what's done. That's not, I'm, you know, I don't think that's the only thing that we do in heaven, but that's a whole lot of what we do in heaven is just worship. I mean, you go back, back up there to uh, chapter four and you start reading through there. The angels are, are worshiping. Holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seal, for you were slain in your blood, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on earth. Worthy is the lamb to be slain who was slain, or worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. They are worshiping. They are worshiping. It's party time in heaven. Here is God. Here is Christ. We are worshiping the center of our joy. It, it's all about worship. We are worshiping God. And, you know, the, one of the, the problems of sin is that we get bored with things. We're not going to get bored with that. We're not going to get bored with that. When we are in the presence of our almighty God, we are not going to get bored of worshiping him. We can worship him for eternity and never be bored. It will be that exciting, that exhilarating. So we will worship God. Uh, again, I don't think that's, you know, in the sense of that, you know, singing songs and throwing down our crowns. I don't think that's every minute all that we're doing all the time, but that's the that's a big part of it, a real big part of it. Uh, we will be worshiping all, all the time, even in the other things that we do. So uh, worship God is uh, the big thing. Second, commune with God, commune with God. Uh, the, these saints are communing with God, right? They're crying out to the Lord. How long, O Lord? They're 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 praying. Right. They're communing with him. They're talking to him and he's talking back to them. So they're communing with God. There's that communion. Boy, what will it be like when we get to be in the presence of God, presence of Christ to talk to him and have him talk directly back to us? We're going to be able to commune with God like we've never been able to commune with God. So we're going to commune with God. Uh, third, we're going to commune with the saints. We're going to commune with the saints. Uh, you, you feel like these these guys, they're here together again. Let's look at that. Uh, then they were each given. I'm picking up in, in verse 11 here as they're crying out with the Lord, uh, crying out to the Lord uh, in one voice. And then they uh, verse 11, then they were each given a white robe and told to rest a while, a little while longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brothers should be complete who were killed as they were 
as they themselves had been. Uh, there seems to be this community, right? They're, they're together, they're, they're praying together, they're communing with God together. And so it would seem logical that they're communing with one another. So we're going to be able to commune with uh, our brothers and sisters in Christ who have gone on before us. Yes, we'll see Paul. Yes, we'll see Moses. Yes, we'll see Peter. And we'll be able to talk with them, commune with them, and have fellowship with them in present heaven. So we will commune with the saints. But we also learn about God. We will learn about God. And I think this is for all of eternity. We're going to be learning new things about God from now on until... Uh, till never. I mean, <laughs> for all of eternity, we're going to be learning about God. God is so vast and so majestic, we could never, all of eternity, we will never uh, learn everything about God. But we will learn about God. We will continue to learn about God in heaven. I don't think we're going to, as soon as we get there, oh, we got all knowledge. No, because then we'd be omniscient, right? We'd know everything. We're never going to be omniscient. That's only a quality of God. Uh, that's never a quality of us. So uh, we will learn about God. And we see this in our text tonight. They cried out with a loud voice. Verse 10, they cried out with a loud voice, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on earth? Then they were each given a white robe and told, right? They were told this, to rest a little longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brothers should be complete, who were to be killed as they themselves had been. So here, these saints in heaven, these souls in heaven, they learned something, didn't they? How long? And the Lord taught them something. It's not yet, my, my, my will is not yet complete. My sovereign plan is not yet complete. Rest a little while longer. So they learn something about God. I think we're going to learn things about God as we are in His presence. He's going to be constantly teaching us more things about Himself. He's going to be revealing Himself more and more and more. We're going to learn about God. And finally, we're going to rest in God. We're going to rest in God. Uh, notice what he says there. Then they were each given a white robe and told to rest a little longer, to rest a little bit longer. Now, we often have this idea of rest, of sitting up in the lounger, right, kick back and just kind of resting. That's, that's what we kind of think about rest. Uh, I don't think it's quite going to be that kind of rest. Uh, I think it's going to be much better than that. We, we kind of, we, we groan a little bit if we think we got to, I groan a little bit if I think I got to sit back and just float on a cloud and my feet up and all the time. I, I want to be able to do something. Uh, so uh, I don't think it's going to be such a passive rest, but it's going to be rest from the worries of this world. Rest from sinful desires. Rest from all the things that, that ail us. Uh, we are going to rest in the presence of God, and we're going to have that complete peace about us in His presence. Uh, still longing, still longing for the day that we're reunited with our bodies and we're made whole again, but yet at the same time we're resting in God. Don't have to worry about sickness. Don't have to worry about death. Uh, we are in the presence of the Lord and we are at rest, at peace with Him. So, questions now <clears throat> about any of this. Going back to this question statement back here a while ago Moses. About Moses? That's just a man thing that God buried him. We don't know God could have just took him and he left. Yeah. Scripture does say that God buried him. It does say that he was buried. Um, so that would be. And, and there are uh, there are some folks who think, well, you know, Scripture says, yeah, God buried him, but uh, God could have just taken him up. Uh, I kind of tend to think if Scripture says God buried him, he buried him. Uh, and. and you know, I think it's just one place that he says he buried him, but he buried him. <laughs> According to that one, one scripture, he buried him. So, uh, Did he say, don't know where he 
Right. No, nobody knows where. That's why God buried him. Uh, I, I think there's a reason for that because, you know, we tend to kind of exalt humans. And if the people of Israel had known where Moses had been buried, that his grave would have become an idol to them. I mean, even the serpent in the wilderness became an idol for, for them. How much more would Moses, his, his uh, grave site, become a, a, an idol for them? So, yeah. Good question. And these people were martyred during the tribulation? Is that right? Uh, yes. Mm -hmm. Well, it doesn't say necessarily they were martyred during the tribulation. They were martyred for their faith. Uh, later on, I think it does talk about those being, um, yeah, in chapter... In the chapter 7, I think it talks about those being who were martyred in the tribulation. Uh, these souls, it just says they were martyred. So, I don't know. Maybe they were, maybe they weren't. So, the ones in white robes in chapter 6, verse 11, and then the ones in chapter 7, verse 9, with white robes, and then verse 13, those, these in white robes. Are they the same people? Because there in verse 14, then he says, These are they who have come out of the great tribulation. Well, this is all depends on what your belief is about end time. Yeah. Um, which would mean that none of those people were actually in heaven at that point in time. This was more of a forecasted vision if we believe in the rapture as has been taught. Yes. Moses was buried in the valley of Moab. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. But nobody knows exactly where. Right. Yeah. The Lord took his body and buried him. Mm -hmm. There you go. There you go. So yeah, this is a future vision. No matter what you have, of, uh, some of this is a future vision. But uh, I, I think you can say it was, it was definitely before the resurrection because the resurrection doesn't happen until way back on in the, the 20, chapter, was it 20 or 20? Where is that, 21? Um, you don't get the first resurrection until then, so. There's different views about the rapture. We won't get into that because that's beyond the scope of this study. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> Any other questions? All right. Well, thank you all for being here tonight. And uh, just remember that as we study this, present heaven is a place to long for. I mean, I, I, to just experience the joy of being in the presence of Christ. I hope we long for that day. I hope we can say tonight, to live is Christ, to die is gain. Right? To live is to do the work of the Lord, but to die is much better. To be in His presence is far better than anything else that's ahead of me in this life. It's not, it, nothing compares to being in the presence of the Lord and experiencing the joy of His presence. Oh, I hope we long for that. <clears throat> I hope when it comes to the day of death that I'm not trembling. I, I hope I'm not uh, sitting there in, in some kind of dread of what's coming. But I hope that I can be like those saints I've watched just praising the Lord all the way till their soul leaves their body, ready to see Him, ready to be with Him. I hope that for me and I pray that for you as well. Let's pray and we'll, we'll be dismissed. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you. Lord, we know that we've talked about some things tonight that, Lord, we just have, uh, we have shadows of. Lord, we, we can't see heaven. Uh, but in your word, you give us visions of heaven. And Lord, just thank you that you have, have revealed what you have. Because even in what you have given us, Lord, we can see that heaven is a place that we want to be. 
It's a place that we should long for. And Lord, we do long to be in your presence. We want to be with you, to be done with this, this life of sin and to be made perfect in you. Lord, we long to be in heaven even now. But Lord, we groan with all of creation, even with our brothers and sisters who are in heaven, for the day that you will return and make all things new. And you'll make us complete. So we say with, with John, with those who cry out at the end of, of Revelation, come, Lord Jesus, come. Come and make all things new. Oh, Lord, let us live in the time that you have given us. You've, you keep us here because we have a purpose, and that purpose is to make disciples, to tell other people about the hope that we have in you. Oh, Lord, let us be faithful. Let us not ever want to see someone go to hell, but Lord, let us long to see people enter your kingdom and have the hope of eternal glory in heaven with you. Oh, Lord, let us be faithful in that. Lord, guide our steps this week. Put us in, in the path of those who do not know you so that we can share the hope of you with them. Lord, let us always be faithful. Now, these things I pray in Christ's name. Amen.